me just take you to a portion of scripture that I would pray and I feel that we're, we're, we may be here for a little while in this portion of scripture. It is a portion of scripture that concerns end time prophecy and I am not a prophet or a son of a prophet but I do know how to read the Bible and I do, I do think I know how to read sign. Amen. Sometimes I think we've complicated end time stuff so much that when we get through our eyes are crossed and our heads spinning and we're thinking what in the world did they just say? Did the beast have ten toes or four heads? I believe that you can look with practical eyes and see powerful promises. And I want you to look with fresh eyes at an old story. It finds itself lodged in a portion of Scripture that is known as the Olivet Discourse. Found in Matthew, writing Mark and Luke, all three of them have some semblance of what took place in that setting. It was the last week before his crucifixion and he was pouring out in those moments of time, not only himself to the world, but to his disciples. And this particular portion of scripture that's found in Matthew in particular begins... Uh, in the 22nd, 23rd chapter, and it goes through the 25th chapter. And it is viewed as the second longest sermon that Jesus preached compared to the Sermon on the Mount, if it was one setting, which I have my own opinion about that. But it is a lengthy portion of Scripture where the Lord comes into the Temple Mount area and he begins to deal with issues that had been long simmering under the surface. He had come on the scene with the beatitude and he blessed them. But let me tell you, when he closed the book, he blistered them. And he did it with such choice words that when you read it, it will almost make your hair stand up on edge. The courage and the audacity that he had to call out the hypocrisy of the religious people of that day. Perhaps the most important single passage of scripture about prophecy is found in this setting. And it came immediately after he had been rejected by the Jews. Perhaps if you were to date it, this would have come down on a Tuesday of crucifixion week. If you need a timeline. And it was there in that setting that he provides an outline of end time events. And though there are many threads that have to be woven together to make up that end time prophecy, they all point toward one thing that he was going to go away, but come again. Messiah was coming. Messiah was coming. He had been at the temple where he had given them their blistering rebuke, and he had called them 
Well, let, let me just name a few of them. Seven times he called them hypocrites. Five times he called them blind. Two times he labeled them as fools. He described them as whited sepulchers, serpents, and vipers, to name just a few. And then he weeps over a city that does not recognize its Messiah. And then he departs the Temple Mount area and goes with his disciples to an elevated place. I've not been there, but they say there is a place where you can look back upon the temple and the walls of the temple and you can see all of its brilliance and beauty. And it was there that the disciples said, Jesus, look at the temple. Look at how beautiful the temple is. And the Lord said to them that not one stone shall be left upon another when it's all played out. And we pick up our reading at that particular place. And so go with me to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew the 25th chapter. And I will begin reading uh, with verse number 1. He had gone through the 24th chapter and he had spoken to them so many powerful things. And then he comes to this story, the ten virgins, and we've all heard it. He said, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish and they that were foolish or they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps while the bridegroom tarried. They all slumbered and slept and at midnight there was a cry made, behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all of those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye therefore, rather, to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy. The bridegroom came and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. And afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I said unto you, or I say unto you, I know you not. Watch Therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. For a few moments, if you will allow me, I would like to go back through this age-old story and pull out for your consideration what I believe are some important principles This is called the coming of the Lord chapter. It lines out the events and happenings that will be a part of that triumphant time when the Lord will come again. 
And that great hour of the coming of the Lord is something that you and I should be excited about even this morning. And if you're not excited about the coming of the Lord, then you need to get excited because that is the most important event that's coming upon the face of the earth. And whether or not it is a triumph or a tragedy will be dependent upon how you meet that hour. Whether the coming of the Lord is a victory or whether it is a loss will be dependent on how you meet the hour. The story that we read from lines itself within the arrangements of that custom of the day. That when a man and a woman were to be married, that the bridegroom would wait with her party for his arrival. She would be accompanied by her handmaidens and they would wait till the bridegroom came to take their place in the wedding party. To welcome him, the maidens brought with them their lamps to cheer the darkness and without their lighted lamps, none of them could have taken their place in that marriage procession. No one knew the hour in which the bridegroom would come. But the Bible says that five of those in the story carried their lamps and they carried oil with their lamps. They had brought along a spare supply in case the bridegroom were to be delayed. In some case of or, or other, if some unexpected event were to happen, that they were prepared for that unexpected possibility. There were five of those the Bible points out to us that were not so careful. They were not as cautious. They were perhaps a little more indifferent and perhaps unconcerned or unworried by that particular thing. They were not uh, as careful as they ought to be. And they could only assume, they could only assume that the bridegroom would come at the appointed time and they would have uh, no problems. And so they took the risk. They took the risk that everything would be okay with just what they had, with the little that they had. And so they all took their place and the hours began to tick away and they wore on. It became later and later and the scripture says that they all fell asleep waiting for the one thing, the arrival of the bridegroom. And at last, at last, When it seemed like it was the darkest and dreariest hour of the night, they hear a cry, Arise, the bridegroom cometh. In that moment that they realize what their situation was in this whole story. The lamps of those who were foolish had gone out. They had burned down and consumed the oil that the vessel contained. Their short supply of oil had been used up and their short-sightedness was now exposed. And in a panic, 
They arise and beg of their friends, oh, share with us your oil so that we might be able to light our lamps. But the wise said, not so. We, we only have enough for ourselves and we only have enough for our lamps. Go and buy your own oil. And so when they went to buy, the bridegroom did come and the scripture says they that were ready went in with him and the door was shut. What a dramatic story. What a picturesque illustration. And I think sometimes it tempts our imagination to go down the wrong trails. Like most of the other stories of the Bible or parables, the story has a point to make. And I believe the point most importantly is that you need to be ready for the coming of the Lord no matter when that takes place. Amen. No matter when that takes place. No matter when that takes place. I said no matter, does your faith have a no matter when attached to it? I realize that you have to be careful when it comes to scripture that you don't twist it to your own good. But let me say, I think it clearly states to us, clarion message of this story is that the Lord is coming and that it teaches us the importance of being ready for that triumphant hour. And it is a reminder that we cannot share our experience. I wish that were so. Because it would be a lot easier on some parents sometimes to not have to worry about their kids or worry about a loved one if you could share it. But folks, I've got news for you. You can't share what you've got in that sense. You can share by telling about it, but you can't share by giving what's in you to somebody else. That that is in you is there for you. You understand that today, that if I make it to to heaven, it's going to be because of something that was in me that I had preserved and I had maintained and I had kept. The danger of living only for the moment is evident in the story. The danger of just getting by. And I want to pause and say to some that are in this building today, you need to listen to your pastor's. It is an hour of all hours to get off of that minimal type living for God. Some people have put themselves on a spiritual diet. They think a little dab will do them. Well, I've got news for you. That's what these women thought too. A little dab will do me. But there's going to come an hour, it's going to be a trying hour, it's going to be a dark hour that you're going to need more than just a little dab to do you. You're going to need enough and more. You're going to need a storehouse. You're going to need everything that you can gather and garner out of every service, out of every worship opportunity. You're going to need to gather it all in because the trying hour has not come yet. To me, the most important message that this particular part of Scripture conveys to me is this, 
that if you and I are going to be ready for the great and triumphant hour of his coming, we are going to have to have a faith that can hold out to the end. A faith that can endure. A faith that can keep going. A faith that no matter what kind of hit it takes, no matter what kind of delay it encounters, no matter what kind of pressure comes against it, it is a faith that can stand the test of time. I was thinking while we were worshiping this morning about what I was going to say and Something came to my mind that I had not thought about in a long time. And I I know I've shared this before. But for those of you that have not heard me, I will tell you. And for those of you that have heard me, you need to hear me again. In the arena of football, there are all kind of statistics that are kept on players. Every kind. Muscle density. Body fat. And all kind of other things, strength capabilities. But when they started studying the truly great football players of the, of all time, they started noticing a pattern and a trend. And in particular, running backs were part of the study. And they discovered that some of these running backs were not the most prolific And they were not necessarily the fastest. And they were sometimes a little bulky and clumsy. But they were unbelievably powerful. And they were unbelievably successful. And so they started noticing what was the difference. And they developed a statistic called the YAC statistic. Or the YAC, Y-A-C. Yards after contact. I want to ask you something this morning. Do you have a faith that no matter what kind of hit it takes from life, it may stagger you for a moment, but there's something in you that said, hey, I didn't come this far to stop now. I didn't come this far to quit. I didn't come this far to turn around. And we gather together our gumption and whatever else you want to call it. And we make up in our mind, hey, I've come to go all the way. I don't want to be lost in this hour. I have come to make it. You and I must have a faith that is so strong and so tough and so alert and so deep that it will last out the night because we don't know when he's coming. It may be morning, noon, or night. He said, just be ready. So how can I be ready? I've got to have a faith that's strong enough that no matter how dark it gets outside, no matter how critical people become of you on social media, no matter what individuals say against you, there's a faith inside of you that just will not quit. It just keeps plowing on. I didn't come here to die now. Faith that will not stop. We need a faith that has some depth to it. 
A faith that is kept alive through the most difficult of circumstances. This is the great demand of the Christian living. And what it makes upon us is that we have a faith that is prepared to wait. Do you have a faith that is prepared to wait? Well, I thought he was going to come by now. He should have already been here. If it was like a lot of us, if somebody doesn't show up when we think they're supposed to show up, we pack our stuff and we go home. Oh, I feel a meddling spirit coming on me right now. Church don't go the way you want it to go. We check out. It ain't that important to me. We'll find out how important it is when that day comes. I said we'll find out how important it is when that day comes. We'll find out if all this was foolishness on that day. And I've got news for you. I believe the book. And I believe what we're doing in this sanctuary matters. Uh, And I believe what it does for me is it helps me store up a little more oil. It puts a little more in my vessel so that I will not run out in this hour of darkness through which we are going right now. When the power that is in you has been nursed through the darkness... It will find light. There will come an hour when those who have kept their lamps burning through the long hours will be rewarded for their waiting. And I want to be a part of that group. I said I want to be a part of that group. I want to be a part of that group. If we are to be ready for that great hour, we must have a faith that is strong enough to last out the darkness. No matter what happens, here is the contrast between the two groups. They both had lamps. They both set out to meet him. They both had oil in their lamps. And it appears that they all started with the same hope and the same eagerness. But they did not end up in the same place. Hear me this morning. You better make sure that it's just a good intention. You better make sure that your intention is so deeply tied to that rock down inside of you, that anchor that you have got such a hold on that anchor that no matter how long it takes for God to get here, no matter what I've got to live through, no matter what I've got to face, I'm not backing up on what I believe. I'm not backing up on what I stand for. I am not going back on what God has shown me in his word. I have a faith and I want that faith to stand in the worst of hours yes that's when we are seen to be the most like him is when we can stand in the worst of times and the best of us be seen hanging on a cross two thieves beside him And he looks out at this mob of people that's going by like they do on Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat and all that other TikTok. They're given the what for. They're given their opinion of what they think about him. And in that hour, 
there was something so deep and so real that he could look at them and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He could look at a thief on one side of him that ridiculed him and turned to the other one that had asked for mercy and said, this day shalt thou be with me in paradise. That's the kind of faith that I want in this hour. That even if people are on the internet going crazy, saying things they shouldn't say about anybody, that it's not going to affect my faith. I'm going to stand. Here is the contrast between the two. The difference between the two is simply this. One group had staying power. They had staying power. There's many things about scripture that I've not understood. There are verses that sometimes have perplexed me. Few be saved. That's always been a mystery to me. If he died for the whole world, why would few be saved? Why would there be the very elect? There would be an hour when the very elect would have to be preserved from the deception that's coming. Why, why is it? It's because some people do not take seriously what God has deposited in their life. And they think a little dab will do me. I'm okay where I'm at. I'm okay living on the edge. I'm just telling you there's going to come an hour. That hour has not yet come, but it is coming. And when that hour comes, you and I better have a faith that's deep enough and strong enough and anchored enough that no matter what happened and no matter how long he waits and delays, his coming you will find me ready when you come you will find me watching they did not realize that faith's greatest quality is just this it is the power to hold on amen to hold on to hold on the wise realized that the bridegroom might not come when they thought and so they were prepared for that dark hour And if we're going to make it in this hour, we better prepare for the dark hour. I'm preaching about those who have faith to see God's way through the storm, through the crisis, through the trouble. They will be blessed. They will go through on the very waves of the storm that have tried to sink their ship. Whatever the crisis hour may be, whether it be his coming or some life storm, he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And somebody said amen, and I'm, I'm hurrying to a close. I love the chapter of faith. Hebrews 11. It's one of my favorite readings. If you want to really get inspired, read it from the Amplified Bible. Because the word by faith or through faith, there's different nuances of those words and what they uh, indicated and what they proposed. And when I read the Hebrews or, or Hebrews chapter 11, and I am thrilled at the declaration of by faith and through faith. I see that enabling, empowering aspect of faith. Through faith, we understand 
And he said, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. And by faith, Enoch was translated that he, he did not see death. And, and by faith, Noah. And by faith, Abraham. And by faith, David. And, and on and on and on and on. And, and it says, and they, and what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith, who through faith, through faith, subdued promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the alien. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured. Oh, oh. Right there, you see the contrast of true faith. Let me just say, and please don't misunderstand me, but there is a dramatic side of faith. There is a dramatic side. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. By faith, Samson subdued lions. By faith. That's the drama part of faith. And I hate to say it, but we apostolics are really hung up on drama. We like the demonstration. And I'm not belittling faith when I say that. But I am telling you today that your faith better have another side to it. Because he may not deliver you. He may not do what you think he's going to do when you think he's going to do it. There better be another side of your faith. I call this the drill down side of faith. You got the dramatic side of faith and now we're going to look at the dull daily drill down to the depth side of faith. And here is the side of faith that's not attractive, but it's the side of faith that's going to keep you in this hour in which we live. It's not on the power and demonstration, but it's going to be by that faith that said, you know what, God, if you don't answer another prayer to me, I'm still going to walk with you. If you don't hear me today I'm still going to petition you if you don't answer me now I'm going to keep knocking at the door hallelujah stand with me I don't have time to finish but and others I want to know if there's any others in this building today are there any others in this place today Others, God, I thought you were going to answer. But you know what, Lord? I've walked so long with you that even if you don't answer, I'm here. I love the prayer of faith and I want people to pray the prayer of faith and I want to pray the prayer of faith. But I've lived long enough to know But sometimes there's a living beyond the prayer of faith. There is the living of the faith. We're really good at declaring things.
But are we good at just standing? Just holding on. Oh, Brother Hughes, that's too dull. We need a little more drama to this. I'm telling you this morning, listen to me. This is the side of faith that God is looking for in this hour in which we live. It's not just those that follow him for his fishes and loaves. Some people live for God as long as God's blessing them in the way they think God ought to bless them. That means they got finances, they don't have problems, they're getting along with their spouse. As soon as one of those things go haywire, they're haywire. If your faith is so easily shaken by a social post, I question the depth of your faith. I question the depth of my faith. If somebody can put something out there and it's so... I can't, I'm not living for God anymore. Do you understand me this morning when I tell you that they ridiculed him? They mocked him? And he said, if you're going to be like me, do you think you're going to get by without somebody mocking you at some point in life? That doesn't make their mockery right. They'll pay for that at some point in their life. But you hear me this morning. The faith that's going to keep you in this hour may not be that faith that you're looking at. It may be a part of your life that you have discounted. It's that steady, regular Church Sunday morning, church Sunday night, church Wednesday night, church Sunday morning, church Sunday night, church Wednesday night, camp meeting here, conference there, but we keep going. Oh, I love the highlights. I love being on the mountain. But if you think God is only the God of the mountain, you're no better off than the Philistines who came against him and said, if we sucker those people down here in this valley, we'll get them. Because they thought he was just a God of the mountain. That's where he had shown his brilliance. God said, oh, let me tell you, I saved my best stuff for the darkness. I saved my best stuff for the darkness. <laughs> Woo! And so no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, you just need to get a grip on that faith and say, you've taken me this far. You're going to take me on through it. You brought me to where I am. You're going to keep me through. Life does not play out the way we plan it. Let me ask you a question. Would you have ever imagined yourself to be in the place you're in right now if you had planned it out? No. We didn't plan on being where we are. We didn't plan on being strapped with this issue or dealing with this problem or facing this pressure. That's life. The Bible said he's looking for somebody that's got a faith 
that just takes hold and will not let go. Winds blow. You know one of the most beautiful pictures I think I've ever seen in the midst of a hurricane was a bird perched on a limb and that limb was giving it this and that bird was going like this. Not a worry in sight. And you would listen, you could hear it singing. How is that? Because a bird knows that even though the limb I may be on is rocking and reeling, I've got wings. And that's what happens when you come into the presence of God. You have wings. You have the ability to just lift your hands and and lift your arm. And when you do, the wind of God's Spirit picks you up and carries you above the storm that enables you to rise higher and higher. And I feel like that's what the Holy Ghost wants to do right now. If you just lift up your hands to Him one more time, I believe He would want to usher you into a place that you cannot even imagine a peace and joy. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. All my life you, you have, have been faithful. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, been so, so good. So good. Every breath, every breath that, every breath that I've taken. Oh, come on, church family. If God's been good to you, why don't you come and sing with us? Let's sing around the altar as we close service. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so good. All my life you have been so, so good. Every breath that I am made. Oh, yes. Come on, let's sing. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We have three to be baptized this morning. If you're one of those, would you please slip out to our prayer room? Brother Garrett's going to meet. We've got three of our young people. Had a great week at youth camp. Had, a, I think, five or six of our young people receive the Holy Ghost. Yeah, we got some that want to be baptized this morning. Come on, let's let, let's glorify the Lord today. Let's praise the Lord this morning. Oh God, you have been faithful. All my life. All my life you have been faithful. All my life. All my life. All my life you have been so, so here today. My helper is here today. The one who secures me in the hollow of his hand. The one who draws me into the shelter of his wing. The one who swoops down when I'm falling 
and I've lost my balance and I've lost my way. He swoops down and he picks me up and he carries me on his own wings until I can gain my own abilities to fly again. That's what the Holy Ghost does in our lives. All my life, all my life, he's been faithful. All my life, he's been so, so good. Reach over and take somebody by the hand today. Lord, right now, I'm asking your blessing, your special anointing. Your special anointing, Lord, upon this place. Oh, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Strengthen them with all might in the inner man. God, I trust you for my healing. I trust you for my healing. But Lord, if you choose otherwise, I'm going to trust you still. I'm not going to waver, Lord. I'm not going to falter. I believe in the sovereign and supernatural works of your spirit. I believe in that wonderful, mighty work of God. Oh, yes, the daily life, Lord. The daily life, the daily life, the daily life. Your goodness, Lord. Your mercies, Lord. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I love you. I love your voice, Lord. I love your voice, Lord. You've carried me through the fire, Lord. In the darkest night, you're close like no other. Oh, yes. Yes, Lord, I've known you.